Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome once again to the mansion on the hill, the house of strange, the palace of mystery. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. This is season five. We thank you for listening to the show. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. Here in South Texas, it's a brisk 48 degrees. We are heading into winter, and I think we're there to stay for a while. Anyway, let's get on with the stories. According to legend, and a Texas historical marker, early in the morning of April 17, 1897, something strange happened in the small town of Aurora, about 30 miles northwest of Fort Worth. A cigar-shaped airship was seen falling from the sky when it crashed through a windmill and exploded. The airship, it is said, was not of this world. The pilot, from Mars, people thought at the time, was allegedly buried with Christian rites at the nearby Aurora Cemetery. There are lots of theories about what happened back in 1897. There still are. Some thought it was a man-made dirigible that crashed. Others called it a hoax. Some at the time saw it as a sign of Judgment Day approaching. This wasn't the only UFO sighting in Texas in the spring of 1897, though. New telescope technology had allowed people to see the face of Mars more clearly than ever, though maybe not quite clearly enough. An Italian astronomer in 1888 announced he had seen evidence of canals on the Red Planet. People freaked out, said E.R. Bills, an author who wrote about the Aurora incident in his book, Texas Obscurities. It, is the first, it was the first serious discussion of maybe there being life. So when this crash happened here, you know, people had heard of that, and that's why they assumed the pilot was from Mars. The Dallas Morning News, taking at face value that it was indeed an extraterrestrial event, linked Ned's ship, that's what they call the supposed alien inhabitant of the ship, Ned. The Dallas Morning News, taking at face value that it was indeed an extraterrestrial event, they linked Ned's ship to a series of UFO sightings around the country and quoted a U.S. signal service officer who gives it his opinion that he was a native of the planet Mars. 
about the town. The city is actually quite small. Aurora City Councilman Jason Priakos said, It's only about six square miles. It goes up the hill and down the valley, and that's about it. Priakos said, It's a hidden gem with a population of about 1,700. Normally people say, Where is Aurora? Priakos said. You have to say, Well, it's between Boyd and Rome, out 287 towards Decatur, which gets you absolutely nowhere unless you have a map there. This small town is connected to a story that sounds like it's from out of this world, and it may be. Well, in 1897, we had an event here, Priaco said. We had an alien crash site. Yep, that's the story, folks. They had an alien crash site. That crash happened near a site now dubbed Area 114. It's now a photo op landing zone for tourists. But as the story goes, an unidentified flying object and its pilot crashed into a windmill in 1897, 50 years before the famed Roswell, New Mexico UFO crash. So, take that, Roswell. Townspeople heard a big crash, and several went to investigate, and they found wreckage of a material they'd never seen before, Priaco said. The ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its construction or motive of power. It was built of an unknown metal, resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver. They found a being which they called not of this world, and nicknamed him Ned. Articles were written about it in local papers. Researchers have looked into the story for years, testing the water in the well where the wreckage was said to be stored, digging metal out of trees at the crash site to prove something exploded, and using radar to see if there really is a Ned in Ned's grave. In the 1970s, people even tried to exhume the remains. People now visit Ned's gravesite, often leaving behind trinkets. Watches. I've seen keychains. I've seen electronics, Priaco said. Because of the Christian burial, the grave cannot be exhumed for official investigation without permission from next of kin, which puts the kibosh on that tactic. That permission seems unlikely if Ned was not of this world. Papers found on his person evidently a record of his travels, are written in some unknown hieroglyphics and cannot be deciphered, the newspaper reported. Still, that doesn't stop people from trying to solve the mystery. They've brought in ground radar, Priaco said. They've looked at the grave site and they've gone to other parts of the cemetery and they can confirm something is buried in that pit. There may not be definitive proof of Ned the alien crashing and being buried in Aurora, but it's definitely a good story for business. I would say no less than 20 times a day we get to tell the story, said Sean Merchant, owner of Smokin' Windmill Barbecue. What self-righteous Texas town would not have a barbecue place? Merchant and his business partner opened Smokin' Windmill Barbecue about two years ago. 
Our top selling specialty item that we run every day is the UFO, Merchant said. It's a poblano pepper stuffed with brisket and cream cheese wrapped in bacon. They are the anchor restaurant for another business called Martian Margaritas. It's an alien-themed entertainment venue. It's a cool story and great for business, Merchant said. Great for conversation. We like to get to know our guests and everything, and it always gives us an opportunity to meet them if they're new. So the story of Ned the Alien lives on, loved by locals. We love the town and we love the history of the town with the alien, said Merchant. Pretty interesting too to know you live in an area known for an alien burial in your city, Priaco said. Not a lot of cities can say that. Well, there's another side of this story, of course. On April 17, 1897, Wise County resident S.E. Hayden reported in the Dallas Morning News that an airship had crashed in the small town of Aurora a full six years before the Wright brothers' first flight at Kitty Hawk. The story was fake, of course, but as Hayden told it, an unknown man was killed when his airship collided with Judge Proctor's windmill. The windmill, as well as the judge's flower garden, were reportedly destroyed. The resulting fake news made the pages of the paper. The pilot was supposedly buried in the Aurora Cemetery, though all that remains to remember him is a historical marker commemorating the legend. Many believe fervently in the story of the Martian, however, why would S.E. Hayden risk his own reputation as a frequent contributor to local papers by telling such a tall tale? Many believe his story was a last-ditch effort to revive a town decimated by an outbreak of spotted fever, which not only took lives, but triggered an exodus of Aurora's healthy citizens. One story in the Dallas Morning News described a town so plagued by illness people were afraid to patronize its businesses. Hayden himself lost his wife and two of his sons to the epidemic. Another son was blinded. The illness devastated the town, along with soil problems, fires, and the bankruptcy of the much-anticipated railroad. Hayden, many suspect, wove the tale in an attempt to drum up interest in tiny Aurora and save his town. This theory is backed up by the work of Etta Peig's town historian, who was 10 years old in 1897. To Hayden's credit, the story did help put Aurora on the map. It just didn't happen as quickly as he had hoped. By the late 1960s and throughout the 1970s, film crews and UFO enthusiasts from across the world flocked to Aurora to find the ship and the remains of the Martian pilot. One particular incident involved a piece of rare metal, which excited UFO fans and others until it was determined that the specific alloy was used in the 1920s for cooking pot lids. The attention was a mixed bag. While some shrewd townspeople sold tourists rusted cans and other aged alloys, others found themselves the target of unwanted visitors of the decidedly human variety. Older residents, many of whom lived in retirement communities, 
were hounded for statements by reporters and authors. Everyone in the world's come by, said one disgruntled resident. We have had calls from California, Europe, and Illinois about the little green man. Well, he ain't here. In my humble opinion, and that phrase being a holdover from the early burgeoning years of the newly open to the public interwebs or the worldwide nets or whatever, the explosion of reports of anything weird, eerie, or out of the ordinary, i.e. UFOs, cryptids, ghosts, aliens, and the like, can be blamed, and that's my choice of wording, directly on the ease of information sharing that is the modern internet. While I realize that is painting a fine point with a very broad brush, I stand by my accusation. And while I make that accusation, I thank the internet for that very same ease of sharing. On the realistic side, where can I find out real <clears throat> ghost stories to share with you, my listeners, or interesting cryptid stories to tell, or just the weird stuff I pick up and share with you? It's so much better than library dust-induced asthma, let me tell you. For instance, the story I just shared, the Aurora incident. Is it real? Or was it just an off-the-wall way to guarantee the survival of a small Texas town facing extinction? No true, practical, or hands-on evidence other than a questionably occupied grave exists to even give breath to the legend. Of course, I probably couldn't say this in the town of Aurora, because them may be fighting words, Padna. Or was there really and truly a UFO crash and recovery of occupants and debris outside of Roswell, New Mexico? I honestly don't know. What landed in the woods outside Kecksburg, Pennsylvania back in the 60s and caused an uproar and a government enforced, supposedly, silence about what the residents saw during this time? And why is it that whenever there's a UFO incident in a specific place, that place then becomes known as the state's Roswell? Whenever there are unexplained disappearances of multitudes of people or aircraft or ships, if it's over water, becomes known as Rivers Bermuda Triangle. These are seemingly separate events, yet in the believer's psyche, they are interwoven and inexorably linked. A good example of this is the story of the haunted railroad tracks here in San Antonio. The story, back in the 30s, a busload of kids got stranded across the tracks south of town. Of course, there was a train bearing down on them and crashed into the bus, killing some, several, or all of the kids. According to popular myth, the streets in the neighborhood nearby are named for each of the victims. Further, if you drive your car to the tracks, put the car in neutral and let off the brakes. The ghosts of the children will push your car up and over the crossing to move you out of harm's way. And if you put talcum powder, or any powder really, on the rear of your car, the handprints of the children will appear there. Pretty cool story, eh? And I've been out there and it is, it, it is an eerie feeling to have this happen to you while you're in your car. 
The facts, however, tend to irritate people who are diehard believers of the legend. The truth is, there was never a trained bus wreck in South, North, West, or East San Antonio, at least not in line with the basic story. Yes, there was a bus train collision which took children's lives in Utah. It was such a horrific story, it ran all across the nation and touched hearts wherever it ran. But why did it sink into the San Antonio psyche so hard and so deep that people really and truly believe it happened here? Heck, it even became the plot for an episode of the 2000-2002 TV series Mysterious Ways. Airing August 21st of 2000, the episode was titled Spirit Junction. It didn't take place in San Antonio, but it still echoed and added some aspects of the legend. The location in San Antonio is what is referred to as a gravity hill. You come off the roadway, which is a flat piece of road, and suddenly you're, you drop at an angle, drop down at an angle. You're in a pretty good downward angle too. You shift into neutral. Well, what's gonna happen? Your car is gonna roll forward. You let off the brakes and gravity will pull you down to the bottom of the short hill and that will give you enough speed to make it up and over the track crossing off the other side where you need to make a quick and hard right turn to keep out of the ditch. When you get out and check the back of the vehicle, lo and behold, finger and handprints. But spoiler alert, they aren't from ghostly children. They are from you touching the back of your car and the everyday use of it. And it's the residual oils you leave every time you touch your car. Sorry, diehards, not haunted. But I don't have stories debunking all or even many stories of the paranormal. I do have opinions about many stories, as we all should. The only thing I'm rather unbudgy and immovable about is Bigfoot. I believe in him. He's up there with Santa. What? You don't believe in Santa? Cold for you. As for cryptids, I recently watched a show where researchers may, and I repeat, may, have found evidence of a Nessie skeleton at the bottom of world-famous Loch Ness. The video evidence, what the murky water would allow to be seen, looked like a representation of a plesiosaur-type critter, which is how Nessie is described often. If it's true, it's a sad time for those of us who believe in Nessie. But it's a thumb to the nose for those who said Nessie was an impossible creature, still waiting a resolution. What do you think of ghost photos? Are they really indicative of spirits come back from the great beyond? Or are they simply photos of real people taken out of context? Uh, a glitch in the matrix of the camera? Could the camera make an error? I don't know. I used to say that when I get to heaven, I'll be able to understand all things. But I have to admit to changing my mind to, when I get to heaven, those other things won't matter. But about ghost photos, take for instance that really blurry photo or video from the police car in Georgia long ago. I think it was in Georgia. The one where the suspect car raises hob across the dustiest of landscapes and then poof, 
disappears through a chain link fence. The cop and the watching wannabe ghost hunters all scratched their heads and said, what the hell? The car was able to slip under the fence by breaking the ties out of place. You know, the chain link fences are only held up by twists of, of uh, other pieces of metal. The ties out of place and the fence just laid back down where it was supposed to. It's no great mystery. The car did not go through the fence. It went under the fence. So are you the kind who accepts out of hand all things paranormal? Or do you apply critical thinking when presented with a mystery? Consider all points before deciding. See if there's a possible answer, then decide. The paranormal doesn't have to be always scary. It can be lots of fun. Whether you accept it as fact or not, have fun with it. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories, mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, Different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories, nothing in particular. No particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. So all the all the stories that are involved with RPA are there, so you don't have to go hunting for them. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments. Or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.